Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How you been, Ryan Huang? Oh, I have been trying to nurse a cough or at least try to recover from it. So, Aww. so far, so good. Uh, thankfully, the weekend's just around the corner. Oh, that's good. You're sounding good, I have to say. Glad uh, you're back. All right. So what's in store today? Listen, I want to start with a Vietnamese company. It's listed on NASDAQ this week. The company is an electric vehicle maker. They're called VinFast. It's a subsidiary of VinGroup. Now, that is Vietnam's largest conglomerate. And it went public on NASDAQ Tuesday through a backdoor listing. Initially valued the company at around $23 billion US dollars. But that was before trading began. What happened, Ryan? Yeah, so let's unpack it. So it had a pretty good day one pop. So it started the day, or let's start with the pricing first. It started at $10 per share, like mm-hmm. all specs do. And then it opened at $22, more than double mm-hmm. at the start. And then it continued further up to $37.06. So that's day one. So pretty impressive. And everyone was cheering, hey, we are so awesome. And this owner, one of Vietnam's richest guys, became even richer. So that is the story for day one. Then day two came and it was the opposite. So mm. profit taking, a bit of unwinding. I'm not sure why people decided to sell it on day two, but it happened. So that is a story there. From 37, it dropped to around $30. (laughs) So I suppose it's still up from $10 and up from the opening price of day one. So Mm -hmm. I suppose we will see the coming days where it goes from here up or down. That's a great summation. What an exciting two days it's been. Yeah, VinFast has yet to make a profit. So as you heard, the company shares more than tripled in value on their first day of trade. Imagine that. Before falling close to 20% overnight. Now, despite last night's profit-taking, VinFast market cap is greater than that of both Ford and GM. VinFast is also expanding overseas. It is building a factory in the U.S. state of North Carolina. Investors have panned some other EV stocks of late, Ryan. Shares of NIO and Rivian, they've both fallen more than 40% over the past year. So what do you make of this investor euphoria around VinFast? Yeah, it is really quite head-scratching and eyebrow-raising. What's going on? And like you outlined already, they are not making any more money than these guys like Ford, General Motors, yet VinFast is bigger than them combined. There's a market cap. And this is quite strange. If you're not making money, why are you commanding such a premium? Mm. So I suppose there is an angle that people are trying to price in the growth story, some optimism, a lot of optimism being priced in. I suppose what's new and shiny is also attracting investors. So there is that part helping um, attract interest into the stock. So I think you can't rule that out. And again, um, it's interesting to see how much enthusiasm will continue to stay on um, in the coming days or whether this is just going to be a, a fast fad. Yeah, VinFast is owned largely by Pam Nat Vong. He is Vietnam's richest man and he reportedly made his fortune back in the 1990s in Ukraine with a business making instant noodles. Not quite a fad. VinFast gains this week have added approximately 40 billion US dollars to his net worth. Imagine that. All right, I have a question for listeners at home. Which company makes more electric vehicles than any other in the world right now? 
Alright, so BYD and Tesla are at the top. Now remember that Warren Buffett has a stake in BYD. The VW Group, GM and Stellantis round up the top five. Yeah. That is according to EV volumes, I just have to say, Ryan, uh, Electric Vehicle World Sales Database, which was where I was at, and The Motley Fool as well. I'm going to turn to the next story, a tale of two stock exchanges, our very own Singapore Stock Exchange, SGX, as well as the Hong Kong Exchange. Um, both companies reporting earnings this morning. Which one would you say is doing better, Ryan? Yeah, I would say both are pretty okay. If I had to pick one, I would lean towards Hong Kong Stock Exchange. So let's outline the numbers. Hong Kong Stock Exchange was up 31% in their first half net profit. So that is around $1.09 billion, despite a lackluster IPO market. So if you bear that in mind, if they had a pretty okay IPO market, it would have been even better. Now, let's take a look at SGX. And this is where its second half profit, the latest six months, uh, that was up 23.1% to $286.3 million. It saw some strong revenue from currencies and commodities. So also pretty okay. Uh, but if you just compare it side by side, the growth jump for Hong Kong Stock Exchange, um, bigger. So I suppose a bit of base effect at play here as well. But I would lean towards Hong Kong to come roaring back. Yeah, so the both, you'd say, the two stock exchanges, both doing well, despite a poor market for new listings or IPOs. How exactly are they making their money? Yeah, so if you look at SGX, it's the bread and butter for SGX, actually. The currencies and commodities derivatives. So that is a huge driver uh, coming through with a rise of 35% for SGX and that half to $179.8 million. And also great is the cash equity side of the business. And this is with a drop of 11.5% to $175 million. And if you look at the IPO market, it still has some ways to go before going back to where it was. If you look at the number of listings, there were only eight compared to 17 a year before. So that kind of paints a picture of where things are for uh, markets. They still have some ways to go for listings. The risk appetite is not fully back yet. Mm. So that is, um, I think, quite reflective of the global IPO market right now. Next up, Ryan, let's go towards a corporate corruption scandal that is in all the headlines. A commercial executive who used to work with C-Trim back when it was still known as Semcorp Marine has been charged with pocketing more than $200,000 in illicit funds from nine separate contractors. The case appears to be linked to Keppel O&M's corruption scandal in Brazil. What do we know about the case? Yeah, so yet another chapter, I suppose. Uh, it's been running for so long. So you've got another executive being charged with corruption and it all comes down to Operation Car Wash. So this, as the name suggests, is a lot of cleaning up. And it's been lasting for, I believe, a good six years or more, mm. where the Brazilian government has been trying to tidy things up back home. And it's actually seen a lot of big names falling victim or at least um, getting caught up in this uh, cleanup, including the former president of Brazil. You, of course, uh, mentioned Capo. That's one big name as well, Capo O&M. And now, Sankot Marine, now Citrum is the latest 
involved. And looking at this particular case right now, the latest involves a man being charged for uh, apparently corruptly obtaining and attempting to obtain gratifications in the form of cash, totaling some $203,000. So some would say, you know, this is typical of um, the way of doing business in some parts of the world. Uh, But now with Operation Car Wash, it has all come to light and those who were involved are now starting to um, pay the price. Be flushed out, hopefully. CPIB began a probe into C-Trim in May. This follows a money laundering investigation by authorities in Brazil. Now, in another local story this morning, officials have busted a large money laundering ring that involves $1 billion in properties, cars, luxury bags, cash and other items. Ten foreign nationals from China, Cambodia, Turkey and elsewhere have been arrested. The group is suspected of trying to use Singapore to launder the proceeds of overseas crime. Let's turn to the U.S. now, where the August blues continue to hold sway on Wall Street overnight. I wish I could play some blues music now. <laughs> the Nasdaq fell more than 1%. The S&P 500, Dow Jones Industrial Average, well, they both lost ground as well. Stocks are coming under pressure from the bond markets, where yields have risen to their highest levels in nearly 15 years. Now, this morning, Ryan, investors are also piercing through the minutes of the latest U.S. Federal Reserve meeting. They're looking for clues about the Fed next moves. What have we learned? <laughs> I have to say it's a typical set of fat minutes and typically late as well. Outdated in that sense that it's three weeks old. This is a meeting where three weeks ago in July, they raised by 25 basis points. And to some extent, nothing has changed um, in terms of what is being expected from the Fed. They still uh, keeping the options open, leaving the room open for more rate hikes because um, based on the minutes, they feel there is still some ways to go before they uh, can fully commit and they need the data to commit to um, how inflation is moderating. It is moderating, but not to the strength that they are hoping for. So I think that is why they are not committed to any um, angle yet, still leaving the options open for perhaps more rate hikes to come, still communicating that inflation, that fight still has some ways to go, still being sticky in some corners. So that, I think, is the overall gist of it. No, It's still not fully um, clear how the Fed can go. And if you think about it, the next meeting is four weeks away. So in the next round of inflation numbers jobs data and so on. And that can again steer where the Fed is going to be thinking about it. It was one interesting point. Mm-hmm. They did flag that commercial real estate is a risk. And mm-hmm. I think this is something to something to uh, think about. It's been one of the issues a lot of market watchers have been starting to raise. Um, less money is being pumped in into commercial real estate. And if things continue to worsen, it will have trickle-down effects to the rest of the economy. Yeah, in addition to commercial real estate risks, uh, China's slowing economy is also weighing on investor sentiment. But just how are some of China's biggest companies doing on the profits front? I thought we'd take a look today, up or down style. Ryan, can we start with Tencent? Yeah, Tencent, one of the biggest tech companies, not doing super. Mm-hmm. So it reported a weaker than expected jump in profits. So it is a 
met of expectations. It did make money, not as much people were hoping for. So on one front, it is seeing some payoff from cost cutting. So that helped sales um, to that helped along with sales rising. So on that front, it managed to um, come up with profits to the tune of 26.17 billion yuan. That is a rise of 41%. And this is below expectations of 33.42 billion yuan. So missing expectations. And for investors now reading into this as how perhaps this is a sign that things are going to slow down for not just the Chinese economy, but many of these um, businesses, Mm -hmm. consumers not spending as much, the ad business not attracting as much business. So pressure on margins and all in, people are now bracing for tougher times ahead for 10 cents. Yeah, so Tencent's profit numbers uh, could be a classic case of glass half empty, glass half full. It all depends on how you look at it. The profit's growing at the fastest rate in several years, thanks in part to that cost-cutting drive. But even though its profits are up more than 40%, still coming in below expectations and investors sold off on the news. All the same, I'm going to give Tencent an up this morning. JD.com. All right, JD.com. And these are the rivals to Alibaba. And this is a glimpse into the e-commerce space in China. And it is a down for me because it is reflecting what is seemingly uh, a slowing economy. It did beat Wall Street estimates. Um, Mm. It did try to focus on lower price products to bring in more customers. It also saw more traffic coming in. Uh, But if you look at the... Estimates revenue grew 7.6% to 39.7 billion US dollars. And that was also under or just slightly above expectations. So I am just looking a bit more cautious with how things are playing out for the industry and going to give a down for JD.com. All right, then let's move to Chinese financial institution, Zhongrong International Trust. Yeah, this is the big one that is going to mean more pain perhaps for the banking sector. Uh, this is what is being described as a shadow bank in China. Um, so it has missed payments on several investment products linked to the property sector. So it is yet a very familiar tune. Someone missing payments on um, what is being due for investors. Mm. Uh, You might remember not too long ago, you had Country Garden missing on coupon payments. So here I've got another one, just painting a sign of pressure on many companies and also pressure on the real estate business. So it is going to mean some investors could be spooked and perhaps a sign that more pain could be due for um, the rest of the industry if uh, this is just a uh, red flag that could mean others could be in trouble as well. Yeah, some investors were definitely spooked when Zhongrong International Trust skipped payments on a number of their investment products. At least two dozen people protested outside the company's Beijing office to demand their money. Really not a great look for this company. Definitely a down for Zhongrong International Trust. I want to return to the US now and have a look at US retailer Target. Yeah, it doesn't look like they are on target for expectations. So they missed quarterly sales forecasts and they have cut their full year outlook as well. So all in, it does seem like they are having trouble convincing people to buy their stuff. Um, This is 
the big box retailer and typically they stock more of the higher margin stuff like your TVs, uh, stuff they typically might not need as much as your necessities. Mm. So I think that is why they are a bit more gloomy around how things are playing out. They're recognizing that people are cutting back and moving towards value items. And in that sense, they are talking now about stocking up on more value items to try to cater to that market. Meanwhile, Target is slashing its full-year outlook. It's been hard hit by shoppers concerned about inflation, clearly. So uh, that is a down for Target for me. Let's check in on the local markets now. The Straits Times Index extended losses yesterday, still closed off its intraday low. In the early afternoon, the SDI tested support at the 3,200 level. Now, there were enough buyers for that support to hold. All the same, the SDI finished down 0.6% at 32.13%. Sats was the worst performer among the blue chips. It finished down more than 3% after revealing that it lost money during the last quarter. On the other side of the equation, Bargain Hunters stepped in to support Hong Kong land. It finished up 1.6%. For our last word today, we're going to head to Berkeley, California, where an artificial intelligence unit has created a cover version of the classic Pink Floyd song, Another Brick in the Wall. And it did this by analyzing people's brain activity while they were listening to the original song. Apparently, once the AI could see the pattern between our brain signals and the music, it was able to accurately predict mm, Fascinating. 15 seconds of the song that it hadn't yet heard. What do you make of this? Yeah, I've always wondered what makes a good song, right? I think Patterns. Everyone or a lot of people can agree that a good song is good. But what makes a good song good, right? (laughs) Different people have different tastes, but yet people can recognize when a good song is good and when one is not so good. So this is interesting. If AI can figure it out, the algorithm, so to speak, of a good song, then we'll have an endless supply of good songs. Isn't it amazing that we all seem to agree on what should come next? Mm. And that's why maybe some pop songs gather the attention of the world. Do we still need musicians if AI can do everything? Oh boy, that's frightening. I listened to the original Pink Floyd as well as the AI-generated content. I have to say the AI version is a little muffled. Doesn't have the vocals down quite yet. Not yet. Yeah, but the tune was definitely spot on. It's very strange. Researchers say this work could eventually be used to create more new devices that help people with speech disabilities. So it's all how it's used, right? These tools? Yeah, I'm looking forward to, well, I guess the limits of imagination, how you use AI. Absolutely. He's Ryan Huang, still recovering from a cough, but sounding good. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you for being with us here on Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.